I'm imagining someone completely blind. Maybe they just had eye surgery. Maybe they're not a lifelong blind person and they're just pressing buttons on their phone. And, <laughs> and they somehow, just happen somehow. to wake, make their way to us yeah. and not end up opening Yahtzee or the New York Times app. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. Did you happen to watch the very beginning of the Kardashians on Hulu? Yeah, you told me to watch, like, the first five minutes of the first episode. Yeah. And I did, and I didn't have a strong reaction to it. I don't know if you... Like, you said you thought it was weird. (laughs) But I I didn't get what was that weird about it. I don't know. I thought that the weird, like, drone kind of tracking shot that they did to, Mm -hmm. like, all the different locations, like, it just felt very epic. But, like, it felt, like, grandiose in a way that I just felt like it was kind of strange. And then, like, the way that they were kind of reintroducing everyone that we already knew. Like, it made sense to me, and it looked nice, but it just felt, like, so unbelievably over the top to me. Well, I felt like that's what they were going for with it, because it is a different show than Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You know, this is the big move, and they make such a big deal, all of them, in that first five minutes about how it was so different to have time off from filming and everything. And I'm like, how long were you off from filming? Like, two months? Like, it was immediately after the the last season ended that you like signed the deal for the new show right i feel like they probably had almost a year or a year Mm. and a half off before they actually filmed Mm because i don't think filming started until like last fall i don't care enough about any of their timelines of what's gone on in their lives to know what would have been talked about on the old show versus what's going to be talked about now or anything like that so i don't know but it didn't feel weird to me it felt different like it was definitely a different style oh yeah than the original show but it felt way more like a bravo style show i would say Mm. like it's clearly i think just a higher production quality like the way they're filming it feels more in line with something like a real housewives kind of show but you're right they talk a lot not just in the first five minutes but over like the whole episode they talk so much about like oh we were filmed for basically 15 years of our lives straight so to have that break from filming before we started this one was really unusual and Mm. that made me really just think about I mean I know they signed up for it but can you imagine like having that much of your life filmed like 15 years cameras in your home and like sure it's for the series and you have a life outside of that but that's crazy I don't Mm. know it really hit me to hear them talk about that yeah I mean you would get so used to that lifestyle, I guess, that having any amount of like significant time <laughs> off would be probably really nice, but also weird. Like you would have to adjust to not having that schedule, you know, all the time. Yeah. So I I don't plan to continue watching any more of it. <laughs> that five minutes did not make me any more interested in the Kardashians than I already am. So if anything interesting happens, you'll just have to keep us I will. informed. <laughs> but I know we've talked about this before, but the kids are in it. 
quite mm. a bit. Actually, okay. maybe a little bit more than I thought. Like, there's this whole ridiculous plot line of one of Kim's kids seeing an ad on his, like, mobile game for a new leaked sex tape of hers. <laughs> and so she's, like, freaking out. She's like, thank God he can't read yet. <laughs> well, contrary to what we have just spent the last... I don't know how many minutes talking about. We actually do have something in mind to talk about as our topic on today's episode, <laughs> and it is not the Kardashians. We have decided to do another line-blurring exercise, I would say, between <laughs> mini-sode and regular episode. Yes. We did this a few weeks ago with Community, a show mm-hmm. that we both love and wanted to dissect a little bit without you know, giving it the full hour-long treatment. And we are doing that again today with another show that we both love a lot. That show is Fleabag. Fleabag. <laughs> That's the theme song. I always think it's funny when we do this, like, big lead up to announcing what show we're talking about even though like the titles of our episodes are always just the title of the show that we're talking about yes but as i have said before if people are blind that's true and they can't read the episode title or if they are illiterate and they can't read the episode title when they just say hey siri Play Televisionary on Apple Podcasts, which is, I assume that's a thing that people do. I don't... Probably. Yeah, I don't really talk to Siri. I'm imagining someone completely blind. Maybe they just had eye surgery. Maybe they're not a lifelong blind person, and they're just pressing buttons on their phone. And, <laughs> and they somehow, just happen somehow. to wake, make their way to us yeah. and not end up opening Yahtzee or the New York Times app. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also have a theory, like we have a strong presence in Israel. Do we? <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm wondering, are people typing in Tel Aviv and then somehow getting to televisionary? Is Tel Aviv in Israel? It is, but it's T-E-L-A-V-I-V. Oh. So either they're bad at okay. spelling or... Maybe. Um, or we are just very... Uh, popular in popular Israel. Popular in Israel. <laughs> well, either way, I welcome any Israeli listeners... Thank you for being here. Yeah, we welcome listeners from anywhere in the world. We'll take it no matter where you're coming from. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk about Fleabag because I actually just watched three episodes of it right before we started recording. Mm. It had been a little while. I think I've watched the entire series two times through. And I know that I think it's so funny and I know that I think it's so well done, but... I feel like for me, in the past week I've been thinking about it, it was hard for me to totally define what I think makes it quietly revolutionary. Mm. Like, it's easy to say, you know, it's a flawed female character, but, you know, that's been done before. But there is something about Fleabag that feels really powerful and different. But I couldn't, it just took me a lot of effort to try to put that into words. I don't know how you feel or, you know, what, Maybe we should give people some background of the show first, but what you think is revolutionary about it? Yeah, I think for me, what really sets the show apart is just the way that the story is told. Because we have seen 
flawed female characters like this before, and I have a little synopsis of the show to share for those who have not seen it Perfect. and don't know about it. But I'll get to more about what I mean by the way the story is told after I read all that, because like Fleabag as a character in herself may not be the most original thing that you've ever seen, but like just the way that the character is presented to us, I think, is what makes it feel like something I haven't seen before. But some background on the show. Phoebe Waller-Bridge created and executive produced and wrote the entire series, which only runs for 12 half-hour episodes across two seasons. So you can watch the entire series in an afternoon, and Mm -hmm. I have. (laughs) (laughs) It was originally produced for BBC Three in the UK after Phoebe Waller-Bridge adapted her one-woman show, also called Fleabag, for TV. She had done that show for the Edinburgh Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is a big launching pad for a lot of people in the UK. And Amazon Prime co-produced and released the series elsewhere in the world. The character of Fleabag, whose name is actually never mentioned in the series, is played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Fleabag is a single guinea pig-themed cafe owner, presumably in her late 20s or early 30s, with a mountain of family and relationship issues and an endless supply of faults and self-destructive habits. The show is a little bit quirky in its approach and might feel a little bit like might be a little alienating (laughs) to some people I guess to be blunt but I just think it's so incredibly funny and so smart and there's such a roller coaster of emotions that you go through yes um throughout those 12 episodes like I've never seen anything quite like it in that regard. Yes. One of the examples of the quirkiness that I mentioned is that the character of Fleabag addresses the audience directly throughout the series. So, you know, she's turning right to the camera, and while that's not a new device for storytelling, I would say the way in which those asides are utilized is Mm -hmm. unlike anything that I've ever seen on a TV show. She basically is seeing the audience as a friend, and maybe as her only friend, so those asides aren't just done to give you insight into what the character is thinking, but it becomes a real part of the story itself, especially in season two, because another character starts to recognize that she is departing in the moment to address the camera and without spoiling too much there's it it kind of becomes clear clearer i should say what that device is for her within her real life if that makes sense which yeah it does if you've seen the show if if you haven't then it probably doesn't but anyway hearing you describe it right now and the the ups and downs of the emotions because like i said i just watched three episodes i watched the season one finale and the first two episodes of season two Mm. because i think that the first episode of season two is one of the best written and acted episodes of tv of all time like it is just so funny and so stellar and it's so fast and there's Mm -hmm. just it's never fails to to entertain me but hearing you talk about the emotional ups and downs and how quickly it switches because it does switch very it's like a roller coaster across the series that to me feels so much like what it's like to be a woman and Mm. i don't know if it's maybe i'm seeing it only through my lens because i am a woman maybe it does extend to like the greater human experience but i just think like for me and a lot of other women i know you go you're angry you're sad you're laughing and it can be within an hour 
you're experiencing all these extreme emotions, especially when you are in your teens and 20s. And I mean, I haven't changed yet and I'm approaching my 30s, but maybe someday I won't feel such extremes. But it feels very true to that experience. And I think like I read an article by The Guardian where it was talking about how Fleabag is one of many shows that have come out in probably like the past five, 10 years that are showing more complex and nuanced female characters, but even a show like Girls doesn't really tap into what I think Fleabag taps into. Like, Fleabag to me feels the most, like, real in Mm -hmm. the way it's showing women, and not only just the character of Fleabag, but the other women of the show, and the way those relationships connect to one another, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that, and I will say that as a man, I I may not relate (laughs) quite as strongly to the emotional roller coaster that Fleabag goes on throughout the series, but it's still something that feels recognizable and real to me. You know, it's yeah. not like I don't experience any of those same emotions. I myself am not like the most emotional person <laughs> that I have ever met, at least as, you know, <laughs> as far as exhibiting my emotions outwardly. But you can't help but be in Fleabag's shoes, I would say, as you go through the series, because it's so well-written and just crafted so smartly that you get where she's coming from. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't like her, you still understand who that character is, and you can relate to what she is feeling. And that's powerful, and that's not something that you find all that often in a comedy show, for sure. I think another thing you said that really connects to something I was thinking about with the show is that it's the way in which the story is told that feels especially different and revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I love about the show so much and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like from season one and season two are so different to me. Mm -hmm. Like, they feel tonally different, like, different storylines, like, obviously. But I can't really think of another show that has all the same characters that have these two completely different and distinct seasons. Like, I I don't know why, but they just have always felt so drastically different to me. And, like, the humor's definitely similar. Like, her turning to the camera, it's all the same, but there are just so much their own stories about her life. And I find that so refreshing, and it's kind of why it's such a fun show to go back to, because it's not boring. Like, each season is so fresh. I think so, too. And I've always kind of assumed that that was intentional, because it's supposed to represent that Fleabag has matured a little bit as a character. That was always my perception, anyway, that she's kind of learning some lessons, (laughs) uh, which (laughs) makes sense after the way that the first season concludes, I would say. She's in a different place by the end of that season, kind of, than she is at the beginning of it, but not a completely different place. You know, she's maybe working on her journey toward where she wants to be, but, you know, season two sees more of that growth happening, and I think that's why it feels different to me. You can see the some evidence of the progress she has made, and you can still see the points where she has some things to continue to work on. I think that's true of a few other characters on the show, too, yeah. looking at the difference between season one and season two. But speaking of the other characters, one thing I wanted to mention that I realized, I hadn't really thought about this while watching the show, but upon further reflection, one of the interesting things about the show is that only a couple of them 
are actually given names. So most of the major characters are only referred to by nickname. Fleabag herself, name never mentioned in the series. You only infer that she is called Fleabag because that's the title <laughs> of the show. But you have characters like Dad and Godmother and Boo <laughs> and hot priest, <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> bus rodent. You know, like, there's this distance between mm-hmm. the audience and the characters. And I think that's just so clever because it's a sort of, it's another layer of Fleabag's complexity. She's so self-centered, maybe, that she either assumes the audience already knows her name and the names of the other people in her orbit, and so she doesn't need to say them, or maybe she can't see outside of herself enough to recognize that. Or it could be viewed as her way of keeping some space between herself and the audience. Like, she'll still address the audience as a friend, but she has those guards up and doesn't want to completely reveal everything about herself and her life to them because she has some secrets, maybe, that she doesn't want to reveal and, you know, doesn't always want to be completely truthful with them because that would mean being truthful with herself. And, like, she's shown to be an unreliable narrator at several points throughout the series. So, like, I don't want to spoil anything by giving exact examples, but if you watch it, you will be able to pick those things out for sure. And I think the more you think about it and sort of unpack those kinds of things the richer the experience of viewing the show is because you peel back these layers that are not necessarily right in your face on the surface, but it it all makes sense as you do that kind of further evaluation. I love that there aren't a lot of names because I am always so bad at remembering character names. Oh. <laughs> so with like the Fleabag universe, like it's like freeing to me that I don't have to try to remember anyone's <laughs> name. And I also, like, going along with what you said, like, I think it's so significant that her sister is one of the characters that does have a name. Mm -hmm. Because I think their journey and the place that Claire, her sister, holds in her life is one of the most important and rewarding parts of the show, at Mm -hmm. least for me. So for her to be named and to be important enough to be given a name is really cool. I also just read a book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Hmm. It's a Polish novel about an old woman who names everyone by like some characteristic of theirs. So like one person is called Good News because they always have like good news and someone else is like Bigfoot because he has like gigantic feet and someone else is like oddball, but it's like very Fleabag-like. And the woman, she doesn't like her actual name. So she always asks to be called something else. Mm. And it's, I actually think if anyone listening has watched Fleabag, you should read the book because it's not at all the same story, but it it actually does have a lot of similarities to Fleabag in the way that the story is told and like the type of main character it is. It's like an unreliable narrator who's a complex woman. It's like a different kind of woman because she's old and like she, you know, it's spiritually maybe connected to Fleabag in a, in a sense. So hmm. it's also got a great title, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard of that book, but you have made me want to read it. So It's really good. Cool. I, I think you would like it. Yeah. So I think that it's interesting to me that Fleabag is on Amazon Prime Mm -hmm. because 
I feel like out of all the Prime Video shows, Fleabag is one of the most original series that they've had. I just think of Prime as usually following trends rather than setting trends, like their yes. upcoming Yes, like their upcoming Lord of the Rings series is just like a Game of Thrones style series. And mm -hmm. then they have one that I, ca I kept getting ads for. This is what made me think of it while I was watching Fleabag. It's called Outer Range. And it looks like it's basically Yellowstone, but with supernatural elements. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> like a Josh... cowboys versus aliens kind of thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I just know it's like, it might be closer to Earth kind okay. of supernatural elements <laughs> but like the main actor in it is josh brolin which i know he's like much younger than kevin costner but i'm just like looking at him in it and i'm like oh like this is another like older white male who i've like seen in a lot of things and has been around forever and like a lot of the supporting cast i can draw like direct parallels to within yellowstone and mm. i just i think it's interesting and then like thinking about the other show on Amazon that I think is original even though I haven't seen it and we recently talked about how we sometimes judge people for watching it is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and uh -huh. both that and Fleabag are such strong like female character shows so I, I don't really know where I'm going with this or what it all means but it's interesting that those shows are the ones that stand out on Amazon Prime. Yeah I would say those two, and then the show Catastrophe, which I talked about yeah. in an episode during our first season. Those are the only Amazon shows that I have, like, really enjoyed that I would rewatch. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I have been a fan of, and I did not think that I would be. I did not think it was my kind of show. <laughs> I honestly didn't want to like it because I heard so many people saying great things about it, and I was like, that doesn't seem like a show for me. I'm not gonna like it. And then I watched it and couldn't help but like it. So, yeah, I have not watched any of the new season that just came out, um, because I actually got rid of my Amazon Prime because I was not watching uh, Prime Video enough. <laughs> um, and I also wasn't ordering enough packages because Christmas ended. So... <laughs> I'll probably get it back in a, a couple months whenever it's time to start shopping again. Can I tell you that I've gotten like 12 free trials to Amazon Prime? They just let you keep getting them? <laughs> yeah, like if I, I think I just, I'll usually wait like two or three months and then I'll like go to sign up for it again and they'll, they'll be like, we'll give you another free trial. Oh. It's happened. I've been doing this since I graduated from college. Like, See... <laughs> the reason I canceled mine is because Amazon finally told me that I could no longer renew my Amazon Prime student subscription, <laughs> which, like, I've been <laughs> out of undergrad for a longer than I care to admit, like, eight years now, twice as long as I was actually in college, and now I am in grad school again, so I actually am a student, but I just never, like, that whole time, I would just kept renewing my yeah. student membership and pushing out my graduation date, and <laughs> they never said anything. And then finally, they were like, oh, you've been on the student plan for too long, you gotta go to the regular one. So I'm like, and I'm not paying double the price whenever I'm yeah, not really no. utilizing this. Like, it was worth $5 a month, 10 that's a bridge too far. <laughs> but anyway, there have only been two seasons of Fleabag, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge has said that she is not really interested in making more. There's no indication that we'll ever get more. And I was thinking about it, and as much as I would love to have more of that universe and, you know, see where the journeys of these characters go, particularly Fleabag, but 
the, the others have some interesting paths as well. But as I thought about it, I realized that if I never get any more, I'm going to be perfectly fine with what I have. Like, there are yeah. not a lot of shows that are so short that just feel right being so short. But I think Fleabag is so flawlessly executed that I can watch those same 12 episodes over and over and over again and keep discovering new things and keep finding them hilarious and keep appreciating what I see on the screen enough that I'm not going to get bored by it. I'm not going to say, oh, I, you know, I wish I found out what happened to that person or, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't need to think about that because I'm so pleased, I guess, with what is there. Do you feel similarly? <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because that was actually the next thing I was going to ask you is how you felt. I feel very similarly, like, they're pretty perfect seasons of TV shows. Like, mm -hmm. even if there had never been a season two, it would have been fine. Because yeah. it ends in a place of hope in in a way that is very okay. Like, it's just you feel like everything's gonna be okay. And you feel like this character has learned something. And season two is the same way. I'm happy that we got a second season because I love the second season. Hot Priest is awesome and I have something else that I really want to say about him in a minute. But I think what could be cool, like if they did ever want to do more, is in like 10 or 15 years do another season of this character mm -hmm. Fleabag at a very different point in her life. Because thinking about the first season and beautiful monologue that she has in the finale about what will happen to me when my body is no longer attractive because it's the only thing that I have going for me. Mm -hmm. Seeing a character who felt that way, who then, you know, grew a little bit more in season two, but well into like middle age would be fascinating and I think could be really interesting. But like, if that never happens, that's okay. Like we have two great seasons of a show. I think it's interesting that she walked away from doing more of it when she did in a sense because I think a lot of creators would have just pushed to keep it going because it was pretty successful. So I respect her for that, but I I can live without more. I think they're just so complete. I agree. I think it would be really cool to revisit that character a long time from now and I have no doubt that Phoebe could write that character just as well um, at yeah. whatever point in her life she is if she would decide to do that. I think it made sense that the first season was sort of as tight as it was because it was based on that one woman show. So like the the framework was already there. It That show was like an hour and I actually saw that show, not live, but <laughs> it was broadcast at a, a theater here in State College where I live. And you know, it's a little different in, in the way that the story is told than the series, but all the major plot points are there. So, like, it makes sense that she was able to sort of translate that to the series and broaden everything a little bit and, you know, tell that story in a slightly different way. But then season two was not really supposed to happen. It was sort of intended as just that one season, but she ended up being stricken with a great idea <laughs> for how to yeah. do it and, you know, ended up making it happen. So, who knows, maybe she will get smacked over the head with a brilliant idea of how to approach more of that character, and we'll end up getting some that we don't expect. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath on that, I guess, because the thing with Fleabag is it launched her career so much that she is now so busy working on <laughs> so many other different projects <laughs> that I would be surprised if she took time out to do Fleabag again. Yeah. So what I want to say 
another revolutionary thing about the show for me is that Hot Priest, one of the hottest characters in any series ever, (laughs) maybe not in how he... Like, if you just looked at him, you might not think that. But that character is so sexy (laughs) and so hot, is played by a gay man. Mm -hmm. That is in itself revolutionary. And it shouldn't be. But it is. Because, like, we... Just so rarely do you see casting like that happen. And I think that it's, I don't know, just like a cool little fact about the show, like a cool little thing about the show that makes it even more like revolutionary to me. I think Mm -hmm. it's awesome. That's true that the object of the female affection who convincingly plays straight on the show is not often like... I think gay actors just tend to get so pigeonholed into only being able to do one thing. And it's rare that you find someone that is able to sort of break out of that mold and then like afterward you just happen to find out that they're gay you know and it's like oh they really are a good actor i believed it when he wanted to kiss her <laughs> you know whatever it is but like yeah of course and straight actors an play actor. gay all the time and right yeah um it, it is it feels kind of like a double standard but weirdly i'm the only parallel, really, that I'm drawing is Neil Patrick Harris playing Barney on How I Met Your Mother, the kind of womanizer character. And mm-hmm. you believe that, and you knew he was gay, <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, There's still just, I, think... I feel like, such a casting stigma around it for literally no reason. Like like you said, mm-hmm. ga- like straight actors play gay characters all the time. Scarlett Johansson was cast to play a transgendered person. I don't remember the circumstances of that, but I remember it being a big deal. And, like, it's just crazy to me that, like, that stigma would still be there because, like, literally their profession is to embody, like, a different human (laughs) being. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Cool fact. I was, like, you know, I looked it up and I was, like, oh man as if i was like ever gonna meet that person and have like a chance (laughs) to date him (laughs) Uh one thing that's kind of hitting me right now is you saying the thing about scarlett johansson is people got in an uproar about that because they said that that role should have been played by a trans person Mm -hmm. right but no one really is saying oh this straight character should have been played by a straight person right and no one most of the time is saying oh, that gay character should have been played by a gay person whenever straight people play those roles. There, you know, of course, has been a lot of progress for LGBTQ plus people being represented truthfully across the landscape of all different media. And that's great. That's something that we should celebrate because they're bringing their lived experience into the roles and probably bringing things out of that role that a cis you know, heterosexual person would not have, but it's still just, there's, there's so much that feels murky, I think, about what is acceptable for an actor to do. Because for years, people never thought about it. You know, there was never a second glance given to Felicity Huffman playing a trans woman in Trans America and getting nominated for an Oscar for it. I forgot about that. You know, but nowadays, that would not happen. But does that mean that she didn't do a good job acting as a trans person in that movie right. you know it, there's just there are things that we have to 
sort of figure out how to approach <laughs> within representations of yeah. people in media today because there are a lot of people that will just want to complain about anything that doesn't feel authentic or doesn't feel as representative as it could be, but I don't think that it's necessarily a, a bad thing. And I'm I not ag- trying to invite any any hate <laughs> from anyone who disagrees, well, but... I agree. I, I mean, I think the thing is, if the world was truly equal, like if we truly had equality and no one was marginalized, I think there would be less pushback against more open casting. Like, I think, I think the only reason why it feels so wrong when you see, like a non-trans person play a trans person on screen is because trans people just generally like don't have as many opportunities maybe Mm -hmm. to get cast in anything right and so like if everything truly was equal we could really just cast whoever and it wouldn't be a big deal because everyone would be getting the same opportunities at least that's kind of how i think about it but until we get to that point which like will probably never happen or won't happen for a very long time we maybe do have to just be more cautious about how we're casting these things yeah i don't know i mean it's obviously like a super complex (laughs) ethical and like Uh moral issue or whatever maybe not moral but ethical but yeah i don't know that's interesting i didn't even think when i pulled scarlett johansson out as an example that i was actually just saying the opposite of kind of what I was trying to say <laughs> but I'm kind of glad I did because mm. I, I never really thought about it like that yeah no I'm glad that you said that because that's sort of what I wanted to say and was trying to say but really was not <laughs> was that um, it's great that we are finally getting to a place where trans and you know gay people of you know whatever orientation are finally being represented on screen and finally getting the opportunity to even get in the room to be considered for those kinds of things because they were so discriminated against for so long. But I also don't think that it's fair to just pigeonhole them into those kinds of roles. Exactly. We should allow a trans actor to play a cisgender character. They shouldn't just be relegated to those trans roles. But like you said, if we're going to get to a place in the world where none of that truly matters, you know, where everyone can just be seen as another human who is capable of doing anything that any other human can do, then we've got some work to do to fill in fill in those gaps appropriately, I would say, so that people can <laughs> see that people on the LGBTQ spectrum are just like everybody else, <laughs> I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. And I still don't feel like I quite nailed it but let's get off of this topic yeah i was gonna say sometimes the more you say the more it becomes murky i might be digging my hole a little bit deeper and offending my community but that's what she said elena (laughs) you're naughty well you dirty girl (laughs) did you have anything else you wanted to say about fleabag i guess just that like, Fleabag is such a flawed character, but, I, like, you can't help but root for her, too, and just kind of want her to be okay, and then, like, she reveals more of her past and who she is as she goes along, and your opinion of her may change, and the way you think about what you know about her may change, but that you still never stop loving her, and at least I don't. 
Um, and that just feels so true to real life, I think. Whenever you form an attachment to somebody who has become your friend, and then you find out that maybe they're not quite the person that you thought they were, but you still have that <laughs> attachment to them and have to navigate your feelings about what they have done and whether you can separate that from the person that you have come to know and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like that's something you don't see a lot of in TV, for one thing, but it just feels so true to real life. And... I appreciate that so much. I might cut this, but one thing that happened to me after I watched Fleabag is another one of our friends, Claire, watched mm -hmm. Fleabag. And she texted me and she said, why didn't you recommend this show to me? Why didn't you tell me that you thought I would like it? Because I would have watched it sooner. Like, I love it. And I think I just so strongly, like, associated with Fleabag and just felt so much like I saw a part of myself represented on screen mm. that it just, like, it never even, like, crossed my mind that, like, anyone else would <laughs> feel that connection to the show and the character and that's basically I think what I told her like I just like I just didn't think you would like it the same way I did and I have thought about that a lot and I just think like it's almost like a representation of the themes of the show that I like like I think that the show explores like the dynamic between women and like the power dynamic between women and the ways in which we do and don't connect in the right way and then like to have that happen in real life and just think like oh she probably wouldn't relate to the character as much as me feels just like something Fleabag would like feel <laughs> mm -hmm. so I don't know every time I watch the show or think about the show I think about that and I've been a lot better going forward at like recommending things to our friend because sometimes I am just I cling to it like so much because it I connect so strongly and feel so close to the character hmm. and Fleabag definitely I think is a show that if you watch it you are gonna feel that personal connection so if you haven't seen it you should watch it to the listeners absolutely could not agree more <laughs> It's worth getting that free trial of Amazon Prime <laughs> if you don't already have it. Because like I said, you can it's like a six-hour commitment. Seriously. You can sit down and watch it all on a snow day <laughs> or <laughs> on a Saturday where you have nothing else to do. It will be worth your time for sure. And I don't think it's the kind of show that you can just watch once. Like, no. I, you have to <laughs> go back at some point and rewatch it again. So... I'm, I'm probably going to go finish the second season right now. I only have four episodes to go. Wow. I might go start a free trial of Amazon Prime and watch it all tonight. Yeah, see if they give you one. I don't know why I've been so special all these years. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you like what we've kind of been doing with these themed mini-sodes, please let us know. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, on TikTok, yes. at Televisionary Pod. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've been a little more active over there. So I've gotten some great responses. Yeah, go check out our stuff, because we are desperate for attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, 
I've been Cody Hoffman. <laughs> I've been Elena Hillard. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.